Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. Patriots Against CPS Corruption invites you to attend our march for Texas children. DFPS has failed the families of Texas. The Texas Special Committee on DFPS has also failed to hear the parents and their children. Time to make our voices heard and surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. Join us on the March for Our Children, September 21st, 2022, starting at 1 p.m. at 701 West 51st Street, Austin, Texas, 78751. I have a return guest. On. I have Lori Smith. She's author and she's a licensed master's social work. And the last time we talked, we talked about the role of trauma within families and its relationship to the court system. She can be found on season two, episode 123. She has been practicing social work for 18 years and is well-versed in multiple modalities, theories, and evidence-based practices. Her work has continuously involved working with marginalized populations. Her passion is working with trauma survivors through offering self-guided, self-paced journeys that point toward harnessing the power of our own internal GPS, wielding our survival skills, and building armor strategically to improve the quality of life, effectiveness, and sustainability for all and dig into our birthright to our power and joy. And I totally welcome you, Lori, to the show. I'm so glad to have you back on. We haven't talked for a long while. We haven't. Thank you, Marianne. And I'm so glad you're doing this stuff, this service to the community. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, so like, we were going to talk about how this court system treats parents and now how it affects children and future generations. Yeah. Where do you want to start? I mean, I've, yeah. I've been working with people for 20 years and um, you know, I'm a provider. So a lot, a lot of times people may be court mandated to come to me. Uh, I've worked with children and dealt with parents and I've, definitely dug in lately, started my second business dedicated completely to complex PTSD, because that is the underlying wound that connects us all. And it's, I'm also a survivor of treatment that harmed. And so when I come from this perspective, it's as a provider, I feel like it's my duty to start talking about how our systems while I worked for the systems and it was a really great opportunity to improve people's lives, I was putting band-aids on things and it's time. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't need band-aids. We have a fucking gaping wound. Right. We do. Yeah. And it's and time no one's to addressing you know, it. Yeah. And it's, it's time like, to, yeah, it's the yeah. elephant in the room. <laughs> exactly. And so I kept my, you know, I did my job for 20 years and I still do my job. I'm in private practice, but I do. Um, it's not a job anymore. And I've faced my own licensure board in terms of um, saying no to unethical things. And through that process, I got very clear on what it is like to experience going through a system that is not set up to improve your life. It's actually set up to harm you. And that affects the children and the parents, the families of these people. It, it affects careers. It affects health long-term health outcomes. If the, if you look at the ACEs study, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, the adverse childhood events study 
um, where they, you know, look at the impact of, you know, certain circumstances on children. I, why, why as a social worker, did I never know that my ACEs, which is a total of 10, you can have possible. Mine was an eight mm -hmm. and I'm walking through the world trying to be like everybody else. And I have no awareness of how these things are impacting my own life. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, it was very difficult to go through a, um, a legal issue where I had to basically buy my freedom. And I feel like <clears throat> parents, <laughs> parents put everything on these court cases in terms of, I'm only going to be okay if, and the justice system is just, <laughs> and uh -huh. if they only see my point of view, they'll understand innocently. They're not set up to understand. Mm -mm. That's not the job of the court. And I think that that's a very common mis misperception that the court is just. It's not. It's a pay for play. Mm -hmm. in, my, in my 20 years of experience with people. I don't know. What are it your is. thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, whoever has the most money will win. Right. And so what does that do for a child? Right. Who's in a custody it's battle. <laughs> like, come on. In fact, I've noticed the parent who doesn't have, you know, enough money to fight or they're a pro se litigant, mm -hmm. they will rule for the opposing and just give the child over to the opposing, even though they're an abuser. Correct. Because it has nothing to do with if they're an abuser or not. It has everything to do with if they've checked the box and followed the law according to X, Y, and Z, like what, even if the law, I mean, if you just look at the prison population, most prisoners in our system are in there for low level drug charges. But why is that? We need to start looking at how these systems actually impact all of us. So most prison, um, it, you know, uh, inmates are in there as survivors of trauma. Most judges have seen trauma after trauma after trauma. They have what's called compassion fatigue, where they start mm -hmm. to see their um, uh, the um, litigants as the enemy, and they get all kinds of misconstrued morally because it's it's there's not you know I'm not a big fan of judges, but I will say that they don't have an easy job either. You know, mm -hmm. in terms of like where is their support? I would say the same thing about policemen. I would say the same thing about teachers and healthcare. But the point is how all of this insidious onslaught of trauma day after day after day affects affects the child affects the parent affects the judge affects the judge's home affects substance use affects everything this all plays together mm -hmm. oh i agree it does i feel like i just went in a lot of different circles there but it oh in my no mind, no it's just the spider web of nobody's really talking about why people get divorced and mm -hmm. why children need to be ensured safety. And if we think children have rights in this country, I think we are sadly mistaken. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice to think that. It's really nice to think that we're a country that ensures the safety of children. But if that were the case, children wouldn't go to school and be faced with um, school shooting drills on a daily basis so that their anxiety is a high level mm -hmm. um, every day being bullied and, you know, all of this stuff, like I just, the lack of children's rights speaks to the lack of the rights that most of us 
have don't have and we just really aren't taking stock of how many rights we've lost mm-hmm. or given away or or sort of sidestep or thought we had but we don't mm-hmm. no you're right because when a parent goes into court even if they have an attorney that attorney could be lax not standing up to the judge, not standing up to the opposing attorney. They're not. And it's so exhausting. It is so exhausting as a legal participant to, first of all, you don't know this language. It's a different language in the court Mm -hmm. systems. You don't know it. You have to learn it. Even if you're savvy enough to learn it, your attorney is going to give it two seconds worth of attention. Mm -hmm. I gave, I mean, I'm sure you did too, like stacks of evidence well, we can't do that because of this. Well, we can't do that because it's all bad. And you know what? It came down to a back, a back room deal where I was forced to plead mm-hmm. as a mother or a husband, father, whoever is the victim or the perpetrator. And that's another discussion, but we're all forced to settle. Right. And that's, I, I understand that on some level, but I don't understand. It's maddening that we're settling based on backdoor deals that do not improve our well-being. Also, these cases are already decided the outcome before a parent walks in there. That's just criminal. You know, it's so interesting because now you're cueing me to think about CPS and and organizations that... um, intervene when a child, you know, we think that they are there to ensure the safety of the child. And on some level that they, they are, but you know, these started, these started with white women going into houses and, you know, like the white, um, the white glove, uh, treatment Mm -hmm. with, you know, checking to see if anybody had dust. And Mm -hmm. then we started getting into indigenous, uh, folks and, you know, you're not raising your kids, right. And there is abuse. There is abuse with children. I've had to call CPS. But I will tell you, I think there's less in 20 years, there's less than six, I would say less than a dozen, but most likely less than six times I've actually called CPS because I'm very clear that they are, if somebody needs resources, that's one thing, but I am not about to call another agency to determine if you're a good parent or not. Mm-hmm. Because I also know the outcome of that, like that's going to go down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about these court cases that, you know, oh, we're just, you know, there's no looking at the evidence in terms of who's the perpetrator and who's the victim. It's who has the money and who doesn't, who has good representation, who doesn't, who's got the lawyer that can't, that's friends with the judge and who isn't. Mm -hmm. And that if you're not, I'm white. So it, even, even, you know, this, this is the case for white folks as well, but even if you're not white, your chances of quote unquote justice or success go downhill, the lower down the social totem pole you go. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's horrific to call CPS. It's very invasive. It's terrifying. Yes. People need support, but that's not what we're offering them. Mm-hmm. And that's maddening. I didn't right. get into this career to harm people. Right. In fact, when people go asking for help naively, yes, then they've actually opened a can of worms they can't close. That is ever. exactly. You know, I'm I'm not 
that's exactly what happened to me. I was struggling with some substance use. Uh, something was recommended to me. I thought, well, I must have done something wrong. I'll go in for help. I, I, from that moment on, I was criminalized and pathologized and I couldn't get out of the space of being seen that way, despite all of the ethical things I was bringing to the table. But you know what? doesn't matter. I'm a provider. I'm, I'm an elite status person in this country. If I have to fight this hard for rights, what does that mean for my clients? Mm-hmm. And so it, it just was, the, it, it wasn't even that I was experiencing it. It was that I was experiencing it every day, knowing full well that everybody that fell below me was going to get worse treatment. And that caused me, I, I ended up in the psych hospital. That was such a moral dilemma. So mm-hmm. I've kind of gone rogue from my licensure. I, I am an, uh, I do practice ethically. I have that part of my life in a private practice, but now I'm doing coaching because coaching allows me to talk to you about things that are outside of the licensure scope. And it allows me to be a little bit more frank with you about what your chances are and how maybe mm-hmm. you might want to look in a different direction to survive and ensure your own well-being. And it, I promise you, the courts are not going to save you. You know, I wish, well, I wish for two things. <laughs> <laughs> I wish parents could all go pro se. That would okay. get rid of family law attorneys. Bye. Okay. And this would hopefully shut down the family court system. Get rid of the family courts, take it down to civil level where people can even ask for a jury if they want. Interesting. Now, the, the second part would be, you know, as far as asking for help, uh, CPS, it needs to be abolished and start over with something else. You know, here here's some interesting tidbits. I... I do a lot of research in terms of other cultures and um, uh, marginalized populations and stuff. That's my passion. We have been solving problems for, uh, not me, we collectively have been solving problems since the beginning of time Mm -hmm. in different ways. This is possible. In fact, they, you know, 20 years ago, I was hearing about, I believe it's called restorative justice. I could be wrong. It starts with Mm -hmm. an R, but it is where the community comes together in the communal sort of like, it's not an intervention, it's a circle, but Mm -hmm. the perpetrator is welcomed back in the community, but they talk it out, they hash it out, they determine what the sort of consequences are Mm -hmm. and whether you're gonna stay in the community or not. That could be done with children, it could be done with our extended family, it is often done with our extended family before the courts get involved. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Like. Yes. Okay. So in the fact of child sexual abuse, that's been going on since the beginning of time, but we've dealt with it in a lot of different ways, especially if you go to marginalized populations and yes, there are secrets. Of course, I'm not going to deny that, but there are some very creative and ingenious ways to address that issue. Mm -hmm. If you look at, at, if you look outside of what we've been programmed to believe will help us. So yes, CPS does need to be abolished. We definitely need alternatives. The alternatives are not out there. They are in here. Mm-hmm. We, we are our own solution. And it's not, I'm not saying that in any sort of arrogance, but I'm saying that 
in the way that problems will not be solved at the level they were created. And what that means is, yes, we have to think outside the box. We have to get creative. I can't tell you how many times I've um, made alternative plans for a child to go to go to somebody else's house for the night because their own house wasn't safe. That's how you do it. You don't call CPS because somebody's, you know, belligerent and violent in the house. I mean, you mm-hmm. can. That's not going to provide a solution. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's going to create more of a problem. Exactly. And so I really think that we, as hopeless as it does sound in the court systems, we have so many incredible solutions that we've come to in different communities throughout this world, throughout this nation, world, etc. Like there are lots of ways through this, but let's please understand that the solution isn't that some system is going to rescue us. It will never be the case. It has never been the case. In fact, they aren't set up to rescue us. They are set up to keep us in check. Oh, I agree. And to also aid in a bed, destroying our families. Yeah. um, Can you say more about that? What do you mean? Uh, Because I don't want to misunderstand what you're saying. Okay. Well, if a parent say, we'll say ghost in, into court because they want the child, their child to experience the other parent. So they go to the court looking for help. Okay. And then they're going now sucked into the family court system. And they're okay. wondering what did they start as the judge now hands that child back over right. to the opposing party. Yeah. Okay. So, but just, but I guess I would argue that the, the family was already kind of not solidly together before they got to the court system. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, I can see where it's destroying them. It's certainly not helping. Correct. And also along with CPS, these, you know, I don't know, they've got emotional abuse, child yes. psychological, child abuse, I'm sorry, child abuse and sex, child sexual abuse. Okay. And I think the latter two should be handled by the police. Why? But yeah, because I mean, why call an inept caseworker about Johnny's getting slapped around in, in the hallway by whoever yes. the police should uh, be filing an assault and battery report. Okay. And then um, remove the child take them to the ER to be examined so they're not hurt. Um, Because we had social workers in the ER, okay? And they would help, you know, find placement for, like, say, mostly elderly people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they could find kinship, you know, instead of saying, well, let's put this kid into foster care because that's the go-to for CPS because it creates more money for the incentives. Well, I would argue that the police are actually not well trained at all right. in how to deal with mental health issues. And I told, I, I understand this sort of like, you know, punishing somebody if they're harming. However, again, like I just, um, my experience has not been that the police are a solution. In fact, they are also as damaging, but again, that's, that's the point. It's not that CPS is the only thing that's harmful. It's that Mm -hmm. the police are not trained and that's harmful. It's that the judges are overworked and that's harmful. And if you, if you look, these all keep us tap dancing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These all keep us in line, ensuring social conditioning. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to raise a family. And I don't agree with a lot of ways that children are raised. But if we are thinking that going to a judge to determine who's the victim and who's the perpetrator Mm -hmm. is going to fix everything, I can tell you I've worked with a lot of children who are very fucking confused because they went through a court system and were told that mommy's bad or daddy's bad. And that's just not how people are. People have both capacities. And the worst perpetrator I have ever met, unfortunately, still had good qualities. Mm -hmm. And- the, 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 the most harmed victim I've ever met still had qualities that maybe weren't so, you know, victim like it's not Mm -hmm. that easy. It's not that easy to determine who's right and who's wrong, but the very fact that we seem to need to do that in the court system speaks to the fact that we are, we're coming from that sort of Christian, you know, morality of like, if you're not good, then you're bad. And if you're bad, Mm -hmm. then you must not be good. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. It's not the case with drug use in terms of the court system there. It's not the case with a child who, yeah, probably was sexually abused by a father who, oh, I don't know, happens to pay their, their, you know, um, tuition fees or something like that, you know, just gross, j- just gross, confusing things for a child. Similarly, a mother asking for help isn't fucking helpless. She's asking for help because she wants to be a good mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't punish her because she's trying to save her child. Mm-hmm. So now we're in a court system and you're going to drug test the mom because what drugs have like, we're all on some sort of drug. I don't know about you, but I'm on an antidepressant. I drink caffeine mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. morning. Like we're going to punish mothers now or fathers mm-hmm. because they're, you know, um, self-medicating because there are such a lack of effective resources that they've gone to their own solution And yes, that impacts the child, but it's so confusing and so expensive when we go through a court system that says, okay, this is the final. Oh no. You know what? It's not, we're not going to ask you eight year old, how you feel about going to mommy's or going to daddy's. We're going to divide the time equally and disrupt your entire life Mm -hmm. so that we can have 50, 50 custody of what a piece of property. Mm -hmm. That's so gross. That is mm-hmm. so unhealthy for all involved. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, you touched a nerve. I don't know how I got there. Well, also, you know, 50-50 shared parenting is not cookie cutter. <laughs> right. And I think that you've just touched on something very important. The courts are one size fits all and it's never, it's never fit anybody. Mm-mm, <laughs> or... <laughs> or the courts choose the opposing, take the child away from the fit parent uh-huh. and turn them into a non-custodial so they could get someone to pay child support. There's always an ulterior motive. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like from a child's perspective, I also grew up in the court system. Not, I'm not foster, but I, you know, a, just a juicy custody battle. And then my, my brother was in a custody battle with that father and just the grossness of like the confusion for a child, like, well, you can't have braces because daddy isn't going to pay for them and Mm -hmm. it's daddy's job. So I, you know, I can't afford them, but I'm not going to, I can't explain that to you because, you know, I'm just following the court because if I don't follow the court documents, then I'm going to get in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So confusing. And then they grow up into adults who have their own families with issues and they're even less um, overall equipped to have a healthy family. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about who, who, is in for, who is fostering health in families. Mm-hmm. Where are those agencies? There isn't. No, uh, there isn't. You want to know why? Because if we actually had healthy people, the people would actually voice their opinion and we don't want to hear what the people have to say. Mm-hmm. That's going to disrupt everything. Right, right. You know, that even in, in my case, there were false accusations of emotional child abuse, which I was cleared of. Good. <laughs> but again, small, small win. Yeah, small, really. And yeah. it was small because the lower court judge of family court continued the false narrative that I was abusing my children and I was mentally right. ill. So. Right. So once he sees you that way, he's not unseeing it. And that's what I'm talking about with this sort of compassion fatigue. You're now the enemy. What? You birth children. How any, I don't have children, honestly. How anybody can birth a child and not be some, have some investment in that being just, it mm-hmm. boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. Really, really, you're actively trying to harm your child. I, I, I know people who harm their children and it's very rarely purposeful. Mm-hmm. It's very rarely like, so like sneaky and like, oh yeah. So he hears one thing. He's already decided that you're pathological and everything you do to speak up for yourself is going to prove that over and over and over again to him. Mm-hmm. So where's your hope? It's a hopeless system. And people don't realize that when they're walking in there. And I think that's why your podcast is so incredible. And, it, you know, oh, the you. system is hopeless, but we are not. Right. right. We are not. We, unfortunately, you know, one of the hardest things I had to learn in my own sort of legal case is it was, it was asking me over and over to be something that I am not. I'm just, I'm, I don't it's not, it's just not me. But to get out of that, I had to do things that were completely against what I, who I thought I was in terms of like, oh, well, I'm going to follow the rules and I'm going to, of course, you say I need help, uh, of course. But what I had to do was be anything other than what I think I am. I had to start saying no. I had to, I had to wrestle with the idea that if I continue to people, please, mm-hmm. if I continue to do what's better for you than it is for me, I'm not going to make it out of this alive. And so the court of opinion may think X, Y, and Z. God forbid a child may think X, Y, and Z. God forbid a court may think X, Y, and Z about me. But you know what? Who's got to live with that? I better make sure that I'm okay with me. Mm-hmm. That is your buffer. That is your, that is your right. That is your buffer. They can see us however they need to see us. Mm-hmm. I am six figures in debt because of this. And I decided I wasn't going to spend any more money. I had to risk everything 
as you probably did, to ensure your well-being? Does that, if you, for instance, walked away from a court case and your children went to the other parent, that does not mean you're a bad parent. It means you're saving yourself and showing your child how to do that. Mm -hmm. And that is oftentimes gut-wrenching. But you know what? You're the one that has to live your life. Your child doesn't even have to live your life. You're the one that has to put your head on that pillow at the end of the night and ask yourself if you did what you thought you needed to do for you. Right. And that is its own empowerment. Mm -hmm. The world will get it wrong. The world will get confused. The world will say all kinds of things about Mm -hmm. who you are and what you are. They don't live your life. They don't know what's going on inside and they don't know how it's affecting the outside. And so until they have a hundred percent of the information, I say, let them say whatever they're going to say, but I'm going to have the last word because I'm going to survive. Definitely. Uh, There's also, you know, a parent is put in a position where they absolutely cannot walk away. In terms of what? Well, for instance, in my case, they were coming after me for child support. And you okay. probably know oh, all yeah, that right. story. So I had to continuously fight and submit, um, you know, briefs and reproduce records to superior court to show why this lower court judge was in errors. And this is a different judge. This is a child support judge okay. who, who had a vendetta. I mean, she was no way compassion fatigued. She was out to get people. Got it. Okay. Okay. Seriously, not just me, but guys as well. (laughs) We were all getting hammered by this. I don't know. Expletive. So So she was playing God. Right. And my son would say, well, mom, if you would just not act crazy in court, this all would go away. And it's like, see, when they call you crazy in court, it means that you know what you're doing and how to handle these judges and you know, your case law. And I explained it that to him gently because he was 16. Yeah. But what they didn't, and I really didn't explain because I didn't want them to know all of this was that if I didn't continuously fight this child support, Mm -hmm. I'm in and out of prison on a three month basis. Yeah. So, okay. You're going to, okay. That I don't know what I would do in that situation, but I know there's a lot of different ways to approach that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, tapping into the rebellious spirit that I am, I would, <laughs> I would have been like, fine, you're going to put me in prison, get out of my way. I'm going to teach the, I'm, I'm going to like work with the women in there. However, I do. I, that's very flippant answer. Yes, they have pathologized you. Yes, they're wanting your money. Where are they going to take it from? They're going to like, do, do you want me to prostitute for that? Like, and again, they, they had assumed you were making a certain income, but now mm-hmm. see, now we're involving other people because you're married again, right? Right. So it wasn't even your money that they were like, so they didn't care where the money came from. They, mm-hmm. they don't care if it's your husband's income that is going to have to be pulled. They just need to check a box they got right. the money and to extort from relatives yes yeah do you like this is like a such a criminal enterprise yes <laughs> well, i mean it's the, really gross 
Yeah. And the thing was, like, I, I think I told you that I had had a heart attack. And in so, prison, yes. well, kind of in prison, but then five months later, I had the big one. Got it. Yeah. And so I was on heart medication. I was on an anti-anxiety, antidepressant, because this is what they put you through CPTSD. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. and of course in prison, they don't give you your medication. So if they, and my cardiologist made it clear that if they don't give you the, you know, if you don't get your blood thinner, this could close the stents off within three days. Um, so I had to fight for my life whether I liked yeah. it or not. And I couldn't explain to these kids why I'm doing this. And the kicker was, I got a call from my psychologist saying that their psychologist wanted to meet with us and discuss not litigating anymore. So my yeah. counselor, who's a licensed social worker, when that uh, counselor came in, he was explaining why I should stop litigating. And she explained why I have to. <laughs> she had, I mean, she had to speak for me because if I spoke, he wasn't going to hear it. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Peer to peer, colleague to colleague. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, so, and parents are caught in this. Parents are caught up in so much of this. So what would have, okay, so they would have put you in jail for three months if you didn't pay child support? Yeah, it was like a revolving door of every three months you'd have a contempt support hearing and then she'd sentence you to two months in jail. She called it jail, but it said prison on the building. <laughs> but here's what I think about this. We're so ineffective for a number of reasons. The price of housing a prisoner, mm -hmm. the price of medicaid for somebody mm -hmm. you know you can't talk to me about family values and claim that you know oh we don't need government involved but then we're gonna get government involved to nickel and dime everybody mm -hmm. so that we have a job like are you serious that, it, it's so bizarre to me like okay so again every day in this country People are being fleeced for their child support, whether they have the money or not. But you know what? We're going to, we're not, we're not very savvy. We're going to put you in jail, pay more money for you to be in jail because we're so caught up in this punitive pathological sort of, again, the morality, the, the false morality of it. Well, if you can't pay your child support, you're obviously a bad person, Marianne. I mean, duh, you're crazy, <laughs> right? right? Like, never mind that we've caused the craze that needed the Xanax that day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we're going to pay for the heart attack, but you're still a bad person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And, and then another facet to that, which th this did not happen to me, thank God, but they take away a parent's driver's license. <laughs> so it's a, a fail it's, fail system it's set up because driving is a privilege and let's talk about privilege let's talk about where this came from these are deeply rooted in how we came to this country we came to this country with certain moral um ideals and the whole colonial idea of conquering mm -hmm. is wrapped up in all of these systems I have to be the biggest. I have to be the best. And you have to deserve the privilege and you have to earn the privilege. And anybody who doesn't have what we say is, you know, like if you're not top stock, then we don't want anything to do with you. You're, you're part of the problem. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so, so if you look at the insidious white supremacy of this and how we started as a culture, the courts were set up to ensure that people did what they were told and that slaves stayed where they were supposed to. That's why the police were started. CPS was started to ensure that the other people, non-white, were taking care of their children. And now it's, see, yes, shit shit rolls downhill, but if we do not make these connections, this is exactly what we're suffering from now today too. And so we can't blame it on somebody else. We can't mm-hmm. blame it on the fact, well, okay, that African-American family over there, well, she can't pay her bills. No, these is, this is happening to white women. This is happening to white men. This is happening to rich people. This is happening to poor people. It doesn't matter. The point is when you have systems develop from a hierarchical top-down, good, bad priority, that serves nobody. It doesn't serve the judge who's going home irritable at the end of the night because he didn't make the backroom deal that he needed to because some crazy (laughs) woman called him out on his shit right and i'm using that facetiously Mm -hmm. it doesn't serve you it doesn't serve your children and so there are lots of other models to do justice but i have such great hope in zena crenshaw logo's work in terms of bringing the human rights uh Mm -hmm. discussion into this because most of it in fact i'm getting certified in that uh human rights as we speak, I just got, Oh, excellent. Yeah. And so I want to help people with that because I don't think that we here in the good old United States really understand how many rights we do not have anymore. And it's not, it's not anybody individually as a fault. It's a collective assumption and innocent arrogance that we don't have to do things differently. But in that sort of we we re- we're so good at compartmentalizing in this country. We're so good at it from denial. And if we don't if we don't make these connections, we're all going to sink in terms mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. nobody's getting served in our in our systems. The healthcare system's crumbling. The legal system's crumbling. The school system is crumbling. Our infrastructure is crumbling. Okay, well we can't just keep doing things the same old way. Nobody's winning. Right. And that's. A travesty. So if you bring in the human rights and you start looking at that and make the case internationally and looking outside of our tiny little USA box and see how other people are doing it, there are lots of civil ways to do these mm-hmm. things that don't include one parent needing to be in the box of pathological. You know, and, and again, <laughs> We like money in this country. So mm-hmm. your husband, excuse me, I am so sorry, your ex-husband, that was coming and, and, and doing false allegations, that's a power, that, that's our patriarchy, that's our misogyny. Like he mm-hmm. can say anything about you and the courts are going to believe him. Why? Because he's got the upper hand. He has more money. He's got the wink and the nod and the friend in the back who's talking mm-hmm. to the judge, right? Right. That's so gross that's Mm -hmm. so gross and i'm sorry i'm sorry that you had Mm -hmm. to experience that and even more i'm sorry that we collectively will likely experience that at some point in our lives in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. well like like right like you brought up the colonial era and patriarchy and that goes back to england with parents Patrier, and all this was brought over here and i don't know why (laughs) because i thought we were starting our own nation they should have nixed everything 
England was bringing or I don't know, br brought over from England, the Bar Association. Right. But if you look at who came over, it was the people being criminalized and pathologized over there. So they're coming over here and wanting, again, shit rolls downhill. They want to colonize and criminalize other people. And so when you when you have a system developed on the idea that people are property, and again, if we look at the mm -hmm. constitution, the three quarter rule or the one drop rule, do you, do you know the, uh, if anybody doesn't know the one drop rule, if you have one drop of African-American, then you're black. Like when you have a systems created to say, we're better than you, somebody's always got to be worse. Somebody's always got to be better than, right? Like somebody's mm -hmm. always got to win. Somebody's got to be the good guy or the bad guy. But if you look at what happened before we were here, that's 400 years of this. So it's not like we're going to get rid of this yesterday, but we need to start paying attention to how this is playing out because nobody's, nobody's the good guy right now. When you look at the indigenous populations, do you know that when I worked with the um, Native Alaskans for five years, children were a shared responsibility. Mm -hmm. If mom and dad weren't doing well, they went over to the extended family. I worked with people in a house, seven different last names. I couldn't keep them straight, but you know what? The kids were taken care of. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that, that is a collective, this is, you know, it takes a village ideal mentality, but that's a lot cheaper than causing you a heart attack and sending you to jail to say that you're a bad mom. Mm -hmm. And what does that do for your children? Because your children have their own journey of this and they're going to struggle with a lot of things about this. And I honestly can't imagine as a mother seeing that happen and feeling like there's nothing I can do about it. The mm -hmm. only recourse, the, the most direct and pure counter to that is to live a life in a way that means something to you because as we know people don't listen to our words but they do watch our actions mm -hmm. they, they, and it doesn't make sense but it it will make sense later the pieces all universally tend to go back into place not not in any way, shape or form, how we want or expect, or even like prefer, but there's these trauma upheavals. And then it just, it, it, it's almost like it clarifies things for us so that moving forward, we're not under such naive illusions mm -hmm. that the world is fair. Right. It, it's not. Mm -hmm. In 20 years of social work, it's not. That's why whatever religion you are, most of them suggest not putting your faith in what's happening in the outside world. That will always let us down. That will always miss the mark. And so as humans, we've done a really swell job of messing up all of these systems with our little, you know, nosy Nancy, like, oh, we know how to do it right. Mm -hmm. There's a universal law bigger than all of us there's universal laws that, you know, I don't get to understand why a woman is sent to prison because she's trying to defend her children. And I don't get to understand what her going to prison is going to do for the rest of her life and how that's going to look in terms of what I, what neither you nor I could have ever predicted was the fact that you're doing a podcast going out to thousands, millions. I don't even know how many listeners you have who are hearing you're speaking your truth and that ripples. 
Mm-hmm. And people are not alone. Oh, definitely. People, you know, I'm, I don't know about you. I, I'm taking crisis calls. I'm sure you oh, are too. I do. But, you know, I, um, because of the long-term uh, career that I have, I, I've had to put some boundaries on that. So I do take calls, but I don't take them at all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many people that they have to have gone pro se because they've run out of money to pay attorneys. They don't trust attorneys. Yep. You know, you pay a retainer fee. They represent you a couple of times and then they want 12,000 more dollars. Least amount of work. Right. They're going to do the least amount of work. It, they got to get another client. They got to make more money. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. Yeah. You know, Marianne, it occurs to me, you should run a, you should develop a course. on how to do this instead of taking all those crisis calls like Zena has a course and I haven't taken it but like what yeah like I think that's a real asset to the community being how to be pro se why to be pro se Mm -hmm. well yeah it's very simple but people some people can handle it some people can't emotionally handle it exactly you're going to put up with a lot of abuse, even with an attorney, I put up with a lot of abuse, but there's going to be more when you're a pro se litigant. But you know, and to be, to be very clear here, mm-hmm. like I, I do know that you didn't have money at the time, but you, you're, you were a nurse. And so your, your education level played into mm-hmm. the ability to be pro se, your sort of savviness, your experience with different um, levels of people. But if I, let's say that I've grown up in the foster care system. Now Mm -hmm. I have these things going on and I don't have money for a lawyer and I'm 25 years old mother who maybe, you know, had some accidental children. And what does that woman do? Is she going to, is she going to have, is she going to have the time and the effort to learn these legal terms? Because I'll, as somebody with ADHD, as somebody with complex PTSD, as somebody mm-hmm. with a whole lot of other mental health diagnoses, mm-hmm. I don't understand the legal language. Mm-hmm. I don't want to understand the legal language. Now, right. it affected me, so I learned. And I guess that's, you know, when, when it's a life or death situation, you figure it out. But why? Why are we asking people to bend over backwards to prove their innocence when we don't even think they're innocent in the fucking first place? That's just maddening. It is. It really is. And like you said, the backdoor deals with the judge and the opposing attorney, because, you know, a lot of them have worked in the DA's department for years. So they're all buddy, buddy. Yeah. Apparently people think this is okay. Uh, You know, but again, if you look 400 years ago, how did all the deals get made? They got Mm -hmm. made with the elite white males behind Mm -hmm. closed doors and we even do that today. I was in Washington, D.C. in July for actually harm reduction stuff. And the most, um, I don't want to say effective, but the, it, was, it was glaringly obvious that the happy hour after the day was where the deals got made. And that mm-hmm. is, it just makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Like we're in the heart of the beast and this is how it's done. So it doesn't get better the higher you go up. It gets deeper and darker and 
more immoral and we're blaming the people at the bottom Mm -hmm. we're we're blaming mothers who actually want to be in their children's lives but now we're not even going to talk about the fact that like we won't even let them have birth control but that's another discussion I mean so so what are some solutions let's talk about that for a little bit Mm -hmm. well between the fit healthy mothers and fathers trying to get their kids back <laughs> uh, everyone I wish everyone could just go pro se I think okay. that would nip a lot of that in the bud and what like again you probably talked about this on your podcast but there are benefits to doing so right right I mean you may have to pay court costs some court costs are cheap you know uh, some of them aren't, but in the long run, you're saving $80,000 yep. or $200,000. Even if, say, you don't win, you may lose the battle, but you may win the war. Okay. And that may come after all the court stuff is done and there's nothing you can do. You know, and it's so stressful too. Like it's an onslaught. It's not like, it's not like PTSD where, oh, there's a bomb and I've had a real, you know, oh, that was a bad day. No, this court, they just drag this on forever. And God forbid anybody had to survive COVID in the court system. I can't even Mm -hmm. imagine, but it just goes on and on. And so you are constantly under the threat of Mm -hmm. harm as an individual, as a child, the child's confused. The other, so how did you keep a sense of bearings during these uh, circumstances? Well, luckily, I had good physicians. Uh, you know, I was on an antidepressant, anti-anxiety, because these people are literally t- trying to make you crazy. Yes, yes. They're automatically shooting out the silver bullet to a targeted fit parent that they're mentally ill. I hear it all the time with these crisis calls. Yeah. So, and then even if you have a pristine psych eval, they're still calling you crazy. They, they have their own false narrative. They have an agenda because they want someone to pay child support. You know, I long for the day that women and mothers join forces and say, "Mm, we're not doing it this way anymore. Mm -hmm. This March that you're talking about, the the Patriots for um, abolishing CPS, you know, I think there's a lot of good things. And I will say that one of the ways that I see to survive any of this, I had to know I wasn't crazy, but I only way that I knew I wasn't crazy was, was that I started purposely trying to learn about people struggling with similar circumstances. Mm -hmm. And we can see that in all sort of self-help stuff, but the really beautiful thing about gaining community with people going through similar circumstances is that creative problem solving starts coming through Mm -hmm. and the solutions start appearing. And we can see this in black women and their communities throughout history. We can see this in indigenous communities, reclaiming their rights to their land and sovereignty, water rights, et cetera. So I have such incredible hope in these mutual aid organizations 
I can't remember the names, but maybe you're savvy, but the abolish CPS movement, mm -hmm. the, there's three or four that I'm aware of about CPS. The, um, the court system, Zena's, you know, community she's building, the, uh, the fleecing is happening to doctors now and healthcare mm -hmm. providers in different realms and all of that. So all of these mutual aid groups not only provide us the, the, the safe haven of, no, I'm actually not as crazy as people are telling me, oh, other people are going through this too. And they did something different, or maybe they did something similar, but it didn't work out, you know, so we learn from each other. And then we gain empowerment because mm -hmm. now we have a community. Now we have some power. Now it's time to play ball. Have you found yeah. that to be true? Yes, you're absolutely right. Everything you said was perfect. Words <laughs> <laughs> just words are so easy, but actions are the hard part. <laughs> right, right. And you know, when I was saying that I had doctors that helped me and took care of me, they that all kept me grounded yes. as I was fighting up this uphill battle that was insane until I had won in superior court, the child support case that had to be taken down to the lower court and dealt with. Okay. And it was dealt with, but not in the outcome that you would, like you said, fairness, it, it still was not fair because right. none of it should have happened to begin with. Like with a lot of these parents that I'm sure you talk to, their problems should never have happened to begin with. Right. But again, we have an entire court system built on the premise that people are property and people have a monetary value. And mm -hmm. so a child has a monetary value to the parents who have to pay child support. A person going to prison has a monetary value in terms of how much it costs us and how much, um, you know, we can take from their family. Like people, the entire court system is built on this premise. Mm -hmm. People aren't property. It's not that easy. It would be nice if it was, mm -hmm. but again, now we're 400 years into this experiment mm -hmm. and nobody's winning. Even again, even the judges, even the most pathological, you know, out to get you, they arguably are not facing the same trauma that we are. However, it comes out in their lives too. Their, their lives are impacted as well in terms of their families and just, whatever. I mean, I just, I, karma, I guess is what you would call it. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't by any means think that it's an equal, you know, an equal, like the people in the court system are experiencing the same thing as the judges, but I've worked with elite people. I've worked with, uh, people who have money as the goal and I wouldn't want their life. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not, not a day, not a day. You take your money you take what you think you're doing that's serving, you know, whatever your moral judgment is that you're enforcing on the world, but I'm going to go and find my joy because mm -hmm. you cannot take that from me. Mm -hmm. That's mine. Exactly. I don't have to earn it. I don't need to deserve it. I have a human right to find what makes me come alive. And mm -hmm. by the way, part of what makes me come alive is coming after you. Right. Definitely. So, so you've just created an innocent monster. And mm -hmm. I hope that women and, and children and mothers all come together and use that inner rebel that we've always had. And this is a you know part of trauma work, internal family systems. We all have different parts of ourselves. 
But one of the parts of ourselves that we have is the inner rebel. And I highly recommend that we all get in touch with that part of ourselves and start talking to that part and making friends because it will, it, that's the part that will help save us. Mm-hmm. Most, yeah, most definitely. Um, these healthy, mentally healthy, fit target mothers and fathers have to even come together and help each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it would be, it would be awesome if the court system offered a support group for uh, parents. However, that would turn into some gatekeeping bullshit about, right. you know, parents telling on each other and who did, who, who smoked marijuana this week and who, who drove yeah. without their license. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, and I have innocently been tasked with being a gatekeeper in my job too. And I keep it very, I, I prefer to keep my notes very minimal. It's none of their business. I protect my clients to the best of my ability, but I didn't sign up to be a gatekeeper. I signed mm. up to imp- help people improve their own lives. And you know what? You're getting in my way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now we're going to, now we're going <laughs> to, I have talked to so many judges, uh, excuse me, not judges, um, attorneys on behalf of a client and, and teachers on behalf of a client who's had a kid in school. And we wonder why kids are like having behavioral issues in school. We don't even know what's going on in their home. But anyway, I, you know, like I will, I will use what I have and what I have is a licensure, what I have are certifications, what I have are lived experience. And it's time to start being vocal about how many people this is affecting. Mm -hmm. It's not just those people. It's not just the other. It's not just the bad people. It is people who are trying to survive every day who, like me, mm-hmm. maybe have an aces of an eight that they had no idea or have a have been diagnosed a mental illness that they thought they were going for help with, but now it's being used against them. Right. You know, like, come on, like that's, that, that's, uh, you can have that story, but that's not my story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I guess, uh, if anybody listens to this, the, the thing I want them to take away, the world can say whatever about us. The world will say whatever about us. The world will ask us to do incredible things, but we always have a choice mm-hmm. and we get to decide how we will relate to what's happening to us. Is, is this a reflection of me as a mother? No, it's not. Does this mean I'm crazy? No, actually it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's turning you crazy, but that's not how it started. Does, you know, is that, am I, am I a bad mother? Did I do something wrong? No, no. Stop internalizing. We get to have a choice in how we relate. This is a pathological system. We are surrounded by crazy. It is chaos. And the, the most effective way through that is to go inside and gain your own resources in terms of, you know, your inner rebel, your support system. Um, you know, empowerment is built in three ways. Gaining new knowledge, which is what you're talking about in terms of getting pro se, uh, mm-hmm. learning about the court system. So gaining new knowledge, learning skills based on that new knowledge, and practicing those skills so that you gain confidence. Now, that's all nice and like flowery and all that but it's a very practical way that we go through the world. You have to learn about what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. You have to um, build that skill that you need so that you can have confidence. The other thing that will save us 
is the healing of trauma, which is through safety. So developing internal safety. And that's where, you know, you can work with a therapist, you can work with coach, whatever. So internal safety, a sense of belonging, which is where I'm talking about the community and being in a community, because this is all designed to like essentially evict us from our communities. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's all designed to, to sort of isolate us and break us down. Mm -hmm. So the, the antidote to that is getting the internal safety, the belonging with your community and, and, and utilizing the community resources in that. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. And it's a way easier said than done. And I will acknowledge that I'm not, I do not have any illusions that it's not, you know, it's hard to do, but it is something we can do. Oh, most definitely. Joy every day. Again, not to be flippant, but if you really want to help your neurons and if you want to help your nervous Mm -hmm. system survive something like this, do a very simple gratitude practice, five Mm -hmm. things a day. And yes, I know, I know, I know that it's hard to find something Mm -hmm. to be grateful for when the shit is falling apart around you. However, I'm going to tell you why this is important. There's a book, um, Sean Aker wrote it called um, The Happiness Advantage. And what it says is we can actually train our neurons to perceive more positive things happening in the world if we sort of build the muscle of the gratitude. So so let's say you're doing five um, things of gratitude every day. Very flippant, very like, I'm a social worker. I don't know what I'm talking about. I get it. But in two to three weeks, you're going to have more information about positive things happening in the world. You're going to pick up up on them more, more sort of the film is going to be gone, if you will. The lens is going to shift into how you see the world. And so that you get to do that. That's free. You get to do that. They can't take that away from you. Mm -hmm. Look at happy pictures and memories. Now, if that's going to trigger you, don't do that. But look at, you know, um, nature does the same thing. When we look at a positive uh, picture, Mm -hmm. or if we, this is why meditation is so helpful. But if we look at you know, picture of nature, if we listen to nature sounds, those all help ground us back into ourselves and calm our nervous system. And you Mm -hmm. know what they want? They want us to have a chaotic nervous system. So we keep messing up in their eyes. Mm -hmm. This is again, right. Oh, no. And they want you to get sick. They want you to have that heart attack. They want you out of their hair. Right. And they, it's really, you're a number, you're a number and Mm -hmm. it's no consequence to them about chronic illness. In fact, that, that anyway, that's the healthcare system. I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah, they don't, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot because if we get sick again, who's got to pay for our sickness? Well, mm-hmm. if I'm broke, cause you've just taken all my resources, guess who's going to pay for me now that I'm on Medicaid. Right. <laughs> Come on, genius. <laughs> Exactly. Because what this court system is doing is they're, they're, first of all, taking the child away from the fit loving parent, then they're hauling that parent into child support. Then they're, they're, you know, uh, costing them their career through whatever means that they use. Yeah, punishment. Right. And then by that time, this person has is just like, 
discombobulated. So upside down. Right. And they're calling this person crazy, yet they expect them to pay child support. Now, how that is incongruent. How can you expect someone who's crazy to pay child support? By the way, if you're going to call me crazy, if you're going to give me a diagnosis and call me pathological, I have rights under the American Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've talked about that on the show. But that is an angle that the courts have not been faced with in terms of child custody, I I don't believe. Because if you're going to label me as having a disability by default, you've just categorized me in the federal law under the ADA, and now I'm going to ask you for accommodations. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not going to accommodate me? You're violating federal law. Now I'm going to go to the DOJ. Now I'm going to go to the Office of Civil Rights. Mm -hmm. So that's another angle that may be helpful. I don't know, but it was helpful in my case um, Mm -hmm. because you're not, we're not going to play this. Like I'm not doing what I'm told, but I'm also crazy. So if I'm crazy, (laughs) why are you asking me to do what I'm told? Like, right? No. And definitely. And I would also recommend (laughs) that if you're on the stand and they ask you what medication you're on, just tell them vitamin C. (laughs) And, you know, vitamin D3. My mistake was I said, I'm on 0.25 of Ativan. That's a crumb. That's like a tiny mute because I'm a lightweight. And when I got home from my nursing shift, it would be midnight. I need to fall asleep immediately so I can get up at 630 when he would be dropping the kids off to me. And go make money for you who's fleecing me. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm taking this medication to try and do my deal, you know, do my duty that you're asking me to do, but now that's not, that's a problem too. Yeah. So if, if anybody's on the stand and talks about medication, I would just say, you know what, um, that's between me and my doctor, that's private information. But if you'd like to know you're, you're free to talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, right. I'm, I'm on medication. I'm on medication for my illnesses. I'm not ashamed to take medication, but if you want to know, go through the paperwork. Go, go talk to my, you know, go jump through your hoops. Right. I'm not going to give you information to harm me. Unfortunately, the worst thing that I learned going through this five-year twilight zone of my own that is legal, but not, you know, child custody. It threw me back into people pleasing and performing Mm -hmm. and perfectionism Mm -hmm. and doing the dance of, I know you're going to hurt me with anything I have to say. So I'm going to say the least amount of information so that I don't harm myself. So essentially you learn to lie without lying. Right. To ensure your safety. Is this what we want? Where, again, where is the rehabilitation for people? Where is the support? Mm -hmm. If we don't care about children's rights in this country. If we did, the court system wouldn't be this way. We don't care about parental rights in this country because if we did, the court system wouldn't be this way. We certainly don't care about humans in this country because if we did, we wouldn't be shooting them in the foot mm-hmm. over and over and over again for whose benefit? Who is benefiting? I don't see anybody benefiting from this court system. There's mm-hmm. no safety to be had. There's no justice. And there are tools and there are ways to do this differently. Right. We know this. They know this. Mm-hmm. we need to speak up. We need to gather. We need to organize so that we too can be counted. Mm-hmm. Well said. 
Well, you know, I'd like to have you back on the podcast. Oh my gosh. Uh, I didn't realize the time. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. but um, you know, how can people reach you? If they have any questions. Yeah. So um, I'm on TikTok, Clouded Compass 2021. Uh, I just did 30 days, 30 ways to recover that are not AA or shame-based because that information isn't out there. But I have a business called Clouded Compass. I have a link tree. I'll send you the link tree, Marianne. But I have Mm -hmm. a course. It's a six-week course on how to gain internal resources and come back to center grounded no matter what's happening in your life. So Mm -hmm. I developed that specifically for trauma survivors. Um, I have a book, the Life Hacks book. I do one-on-one coaching. Um, I have private therapy. My, my practice is full right now, um, but I'm out and about. I mm-hmm. want to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I have survived things. I'm a suicide survivor as well. And so there's no, like, I make no qualms about the fact that I am not perfect. I am not an expert. Mm-hmm. I have knowledge, but I'm not an expert in your life. And I want you to become one. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, that's the most effective way through anything, learning your own wiring and how to use that and how to ground yourself and survive. Even when the shit outside is, you know, be the eye of the hurricane. Definitely. I'm so glad you came on. I appreciate this conversation and I think you're doing tremendous work. Wish I had more time to listen to your podcast, but I know that you've had good guests and I know that this is needed. How many listeners do you have now? Uh, uh, too many. I, a lot. That's wonderful. <laughs> too many. Yeah. Too many. <laughs> we too. We too. It's happening to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we can survive. And we will. We will. It's not going to look how we want it to get your expectations out of the way, get your shoulds out of the way because the, mm-hmm. you know, I ju- Oh, I'm starting a merchandise line. The first t-shirt's going to say, stop shooting on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it can be done. It's messy and it's not fair and it's not just, and you're not a bad person. Well, hey, don't jump off. Slam the gallows of podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again with Lori Smith in the future for another exciting episode. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much, Marianne.